Good morning, church. That wasn't a surprise, you know, because they really told me that they want to do something for me and they planned this out. And, uh, but it's still good anyway. Uh, God is really, really so good. I'm just humbled by your support and your encouragement. And like I said, this one, the, this, the, there's no other place I want to pastor, seriously. Uh, many pastors love to preach somewhere else because uh, they say it's more challenging to preach in their own church than somewhere else because uh, if they've been there for a long time, uh, their members have heard all their stories, uh, know even what they're supposed to say. They didn't quite say it the way they're supposed to say it. Uh, but I just love to preach in Agape, you know, and so wonderful just to be here. Now, this morning is Vision Sunday, and I want to move very quickly. And I trust that you will hang in here with me as long as it takes. Uh, but I try to keep it as brief as I can, but I don't think so. It will be brief because uh, there's so many things in my heart I'd like to share with you. Now, uh, someone says vision is a picture of a preferred future. So many definitions, but I love this. Uh, what is vision? Vision is uh, a picture of a preferred future. Where you are, you know, you're saying, God, I want more. I want to move in a direction where I can improve, where I can multiply, that I can be better, that I can walk in a call, in a sense of destiny where you have called me to be. And this is Agape's vision statement. Agape's vision statement is this, and we have so many things like Agape's motto, Agape's culture, DNA. Uh, one of the last things we actually put together was Agape vision statement, and this is the vision statement. A vision statement uh, is something which uh, tells us who we are, our, what our mission is, but something that you will never ever achieve fully. It's something that's ongoing as long as a company or the church uh, exists. And it says that Agape is a church that is filled and filled with God's amazing love, whereby lives and communities are not just transformed, but empowered by the gospel of Christ. That's what we are all about. This church, and I was recently was just listening to one pastor who, who took over a church uh, in the Silicon Valley, and the vision statement of a church was, successful church for successful people. And then he says, how dark it was, as though the church... You know, it's just for successful people. But actually, a church exists for every person from all kinds and all walks of life. Someone say an amen to that. Certainly. And so our church is a church that is filled with because we are agape, God's amazing love. And then we are energized and filled, empowered by the love of God. The love of God compels us, you know, so that lives and communities are being transformed, changed, and not only changed for selfish reasons, but empowered so that they can go on to change other people's lives and touch the community for Jesus. And so when we talk about vision, it's a picture of preferred future, simply meaning, you know, when we talk about vision, we always talk of where we have come from. We started in 1980 or 81 with Pastor Lawrence, you know, uh, uh, planting this church. And we have come a long way. And those of you who have been with the church all these umpteen donkey years, is that right? 
You know, you were from the generation of the Jurassic Park. You were living the days of Noah and Abraham, and you are still here today. All right? You know where we have come from. Some of you probably don't know where you have come from. And Monica, being someone who's new to the church for the last three years or so, he says that we should have something where people can have in hand to know our history. I think that's so true. All right? Where we have come from, where we are, and where we are going. Eugene, I want you to step up and come to me right now. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to take your wallet and anything of that sort. Thank you very much, Eugene. You see, for him to come from there to here, he has to walk away from there and take many steps to walk up here. Thank you so much. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you for helping me preach the sermon. You know, it's just steps from there, from here to there. You know, there is better. Here is good, but there is always better. And we cannot stay here in order to get there. And that's why you always hear us, you know, echoing this, you know, like a broken record. You know, we cannot be where we are just at. We need to just move on. Because God always moves on. So, there are a few things here on the live with you. It starts with P, four things in regards to P. One is the word prophetic. Prophetic. Appreciating the supernatural in life because we serve a supernatural God. Genesis 28, verse 10 to 15 says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway or a ladder resting on the earth, which stopped reaching to heaven. And on the rung of, those rungs of those, that ladder, angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will give you your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. Because you know, Jacob at this point was running away from home, running away from uh, trying circumstances, and God says, don't you worry, I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. There and then, Jacob, while his mindset was that of survival, and not casting vision, he says, if my brother Esau, whom I have cheated, were to catch up with me here and now, I'll be dead meat. So his mindset was just survival, living one day at a time, not knowing where he was going, not knowing what his future would be. And yet, while his mindset was survival, God was charting his future. That's what vision 
is all about. And God gave him a dream, a supernatural dream, whereby God began to reveal to him and speak into his heart, you know, that he will be with him. And he says, I will not leave you until I have brought to pass everything I have promised you. How assuring is that? You know, I, I don't care how difficult the challenge may be. All I want to know, God, are you in this? As long as I know that God is in this, I can navigate whatever difficult waters or flood it may come what may. I'm able to navigate those situations. But I need to know that God is with me. And here God reveals to Jacob. He reveals in his revelation. You know, God begins to talk to him. And God gave him the supernatural. Since this is uh, uh, my 30, uh, I've just finished 31 years, you know, uh, this is my 32nd year. If I finish this, if I still live on to, to September or November. Now, uh, I remember in 1988, September, that's where I started my tenure as a senior pastor or lead pastor of this church. At that time, I already committed myself to come to Agape, told my board back in Berean Assembly in Kuala Lumpur that I'm leaving them, not easy at all. Uh, there wasn't problems or difficulties in church. In fact, the church was, was one of those early churches in Assembly of God who bought their own building you know, uh, under Pastor Sally's leadership. And by the time I married her, you know, the building was already paid up for. You know, the church was on good grounds, or uh, very uh, 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 sound financially. They gave us a free holiday wherever you want to go every year to whichever part of the world, as long as you fly economy. And plus, a holiday allowance. And we never took it. And then when we came in Stromberg, we regretted that we didn't take it, you know. But what I'm saying is that it was a good church, a thriving church, that we felt the call of God to come. And I said yes to Pastor Lawrence. By then, before I came to September, in, to Agape in September 1988, Pastor Lawrence already had resigned the church and had really moved on. So from something like June or July until September, uh, August when I was, September when I was start, you know, uh, they didn't have any pastor and they had guest speakers coming. And I was one of those guest speakers to fill in the gap, even though I really said yes to Pastor Lawrence, to the church board that I'm coming to take over the church. And that morning, I remember driving to Agape, where uh, I was having COVID. You know what's COVID? You know, I'm going to marry Agape, but I don't want, I, I'm having COVID. I did not come. You know, you know why? My elder sister was the secretary. <laughs> That's not the real reason, though. My brother-in-law, Norman, was on the board. That's not the real reason, though, you know. Uh, but there's so many familiar faces. You know, I, I, I church members from uh, uh, Evangel Church who are now in Agape. And I, I felt that so uneasy. And I put a fleece before God. I said, God, if you really want me to come to Agape, you must do the supernatural. Usually when I'm driving down to preach, my wife, then uh, Sally, would ask me, what is your sermon today? She never fails to ask. I wonder why. Looking back, I think I know why. She wants to know whether I'm preaching an old sermon or a new sermon. If it's an old sermon, she can switch off. If it's a new sermon, maybe she pay attention. But that day, I put a fleece before God and says, God, I want somebody in church, when you're meeting the bowling alley, to prophesy my message. I don't want it to be done after I preach so as to re someone re prophesy my message and reinforce that message. But I said, I want someone 
to prophesy my message even before I preach the message. Those days, you had the guest speaker and the pastors and, and, and I think one or two board members sitting up on stage. I don't know if you still remember that or not. You know, I was sitting up on stage, I can't remember with which board member, you know, and I was feeling so uneasy. I said, God, I think I made a wrong choice. I think it's a big mistake for me to leave KL and come to Suramban. And I said, God, I'm going to tell Pastor Lawrence, I'm going to tell Pastor Lawrence, I'm so sorry, I want to retract and say no to you, even though I already said yes. And I felt so uneasy. And then at the last song, at the last song, I don't know who was a worship leader, I don't know who was, <coughs> what song is sung, but Sister Lim came to the mic and she began to rehearse the entire passage which I just read to you just now. Jacob, you know, running from his brother Esau, running away from home, and there was a supernatural that took place, you know, and she just rehearsed, paraphrased the passage without making any application. That's very strange. I mean, you might as well read the passage. What prophetic word is that? And some people who are a bit skeptical about prophetic and speaking in tongues and message in tongues will say, who is, you call this prophecy? You probably say, no. She's just rehearsing, paraphrase a passage. But that was for me, church. Because I said, God, I want someone to prophesy my message even before I preach. And she just paraphrased the entire passage, and I just felt, God, yes, yes. Despite my uneasiness, I'm going to come to Agape. And that's how I started, in 1988. In 1988. Then, uh, in 1992, we bought this piece of land, here, this piece of land. This, this, not the other one, just this, one acre. I still remember driving after a game of squash, uh, Terence Ong was driving and I was sitting passenger next to him and I had my seat reclined and so my head was, my eyes were just above the window level, the seal. And suddenly I caught hold of this piece of land for sale sign, which had been up for a few months and nobody noticed it. We have seen so many parcels and pieces of land, some too far, some too near, some too expensive, some not suitable, some too small, some too big. And then Brother Pang uh, contacted the uh, a sales agent, and I still remember when Brother Pang was talking to the sales agent out there, you know, uh, right at the foot there, this whole piece was lower than the road level. It was a ravine. Nobody wanted this piece of land. And then while he was still talking to people, I walked straight into this, this, this piece of land. And when I came somewhere around here, that's the end, right? Somewhere around here where the sanctuary is, I just started crying and crying and crying like a baby, uncontrollably. Never felt this like this before. And I just said, God, thank you. Thank you. This is the land. This is the land. This is the land. And I told no single one about it, not even Pastor Sally. And I said to God, God, if this is what it is, then you must speak to your people too. And I think, I, I believe that in all my years in ministry, I've never quite used the word, God told me. Can you remember all my years? I've never used, but I sense God. I said, God, you need to speak to your people. You know, and so in 1992, before we bought this piece of land, we had an EGM. We called for a meeting, 
And at that time, English and Chinese congregation, the voting strength of the church was 133. Two said no, one spoiled vote, and 130 say yes, let's go for it. You know, and we bought the piece of land. And in 1994, you know, we got conversion to, to rezone this piece of land into what we call religious or church. And so on this piece of ground, we have the word garage stamped on our title deed. Praise God for that. You know, church, yes, give God a great hand while you are clapping our drink. Twenty years now, later, twenty years before, twenty years later, I've not heard of any church in Malaysia that's got this. They were probably, you know, most churches were, were rezoned to like a, a community center, an a, 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 a educational center, kindergarten. Uh, they have a big auditorium. Government knows it's for church, but the front is basically a kindergarten, a community center. They're happy about it, but we have it as church. And I still remember the first architect that we sat with and talked with, you know, after I went back home, it was in the evening, just before dinner, Pastor Sally asked me, how did it go? And I remember saying to her, it went well, but I don't know. I said, this may not be our architect. I just said that to her in passing. If you ask me categorically, is there anything I place my finger upon and say, he's not good? I cannot. I just cannot. It's just a sense in my heart. And true enough, after seven, eight drawings, you know, we, we dropped him and volunteered to pay to where he, up to where he, he has worked. He, he, he was so glad to relieve him, you know. Uh, and then we got someone else to come, uh, Brother Peter Ho, uh, brother to Sister Helen Ho, you know, and he actually built, designed this church and that church, you know. This is a sense of God. Fast forward, in 2012, Pastor Sally passed away. If there was a time, there were two times in my life that I, I wanted really to give up agape. One was basically 2012. I mean, that's the main edges around there. You know, it has to do with Pastor Sally's death. Because for years, we've been trying to put on a pastoral team. Nobody wants to come to Suramban. Suramban, ah. I have pastors or good pastors. I said, if, then they would tell me, if you can find a job for my wife, but the wife is working out there, then we will come. You know? Somebody says, Rambana. Hi, I'm a city girl. Suramban is not for me. Uh, Suramban. What good can come out of Suramban? And the people that came to us, we have to babysit them. And finally, you know, they themselves left, or we have to send them away. And so it was so difficult, you know, for years, for years, you know, and I've been accused, you know, that I'm wanting to keep the church staff small. Seriously. I've been accused of wanting to keep the church staff small so I can have it all to myself. And that's not the truth. You know, that's not the truth. Because I've learned it's so easy to place someone in church as a full-time staff. It's so easy to hire but in the church setting, it's so hard to fire. Can you imagine? You're in the fire, Pastor Ann. You know, the father, mother, the brother, sister, the uncle, the nieces, the refuge, the grandfather. Oh, my goodness. If you, you, you get what I mean? 
You know, it's a very different dynamic when you're leading a church and leading a corporation. And that's why Brother Dick, for years, being one of the senior managers uh, 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 of Toyota, you know, uh, he has actually said that we, I envy and I respect pastors because of what you all do. Because he knows that it's very challenging and the dynamics are so different when you're leading a volunteerism and volunteer, uh, a non-profit, not for-profit, but non-profit organization. And that's so true. And so I want to give up because Pastor Joshua and Pastor Anne were dating. Both did not want to leave their church. And so being the biblical pastor that I am, I set them down. I say, if there's a deadlock like that, I said, it's only right for the lady to follow the man. And so one more worker, so no more. No, gone. So I said, I know sometimes when you don't get people to work with you after some time, you kind of think that it is the fault lies in you. Maybe I'm the bottleneck. And for years, even before I was 50, I've told the board that you know, maybe you find some other pastor, someone else to take this church, and maybe you know, it takes somebody else to lead this church to the next level of growth. I was willing to step aside. And then Pastor Sally passed away. I said, oh God, I only asked one question. I said, God, I never asked God any question when she was sick, but I asked God one question when she died. Why do you take her and not me? Because I felt, you know, you see, I'm, uh, I don't know how you, I, I, I don't even understand myself sometimes, you know. I used to say I'm laser fair. Pastor Lord said, no, you're not laser fair, you know. Uh, uh, I used to say that I'm not driven. My friend said, no, you are a driven person. I once said to, to Rajan, Rajan, congratulating, congratulations when we built this building, you know, and it says, thank you for your leadership. I said, no, no. He said, no, Pastor, this is it. Not many people build a church like this. I just don't understand myself. You know, so I always did, thought that you know, Pastor Sally would be better for the church if she had stayed. Uh, me, <laughs> I don't know. Lah. Between work and play, I play first. <laughs> but I still work. I still work. All right? Some of you play and play and don't work. All right? Now, and, and so that's me. And then when the, I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm think it's ready to, to move on. Uh, then something changed. Pastor Joshua agreed to come. You know, and we thank God for that. And then while that building was being built, the foundations were really laid. I was in my office every day, you know. Uh, I was missing Sally. I was going through some, uh, trying to figure things out, uh, saying how should I resign, who can I bring in, you know. I was just looking from my office where the tallest room uh, is now, looking down to the building, and it's like a voice, never heard an audible voice in all my life, but it was like a voice speaking to me, why aren't you going into the piece of land? I've never stepped foot. Because basically, Pastor Sally was sick when they first started the building. Then when she passed away, you know, there was no more drive. I wanted to just leave. Why aren't you stepping? While this building was built, I was here every day from morning night until dark, prepared my sermon on site. There, I didn't even step in. I didn't want to step in. And then finally, I gave in and I walked into that land. And all of a sudden, the same thing happened as I walked into this land. I started crying and crying and crying and crying. 
And then I realized that you know, God is saying to me, you know, this is not the end. There are many more years to come. You are going to lead this church. And there was a great assurance in my heart. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying all of that to say to you, the prophetic is so important in the life of Agape as a church. And I'm going to say to you, don't miss out on the prophetic. We are a Pentecostal church. I know there are some church that are Pentecostal or charismatic or charismatic or whatever you want to call them. You know, they do all kinds of weird things. They scale the wall. They hang on from the ceiling. They lie on the carpet for hours. You know, all kinds of funny things they do. You know, uh, and sometimes you wonder whether it's flesh or God or what. Let me say it's a combination, Roja. No, but I want to say to you, the prophetic is so real. So real. I'll read to you the next scripture. It's applying the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 13. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one that is given through the Spirit of God, the message of wisdom, these are the gifts of the Spirit, to another the message of knowledge, but it means of the same Spirit, to another faith, but the same Spirit. Now faith, supernatural faith, is a gift of the Spirit, healing by that one Spirit, another by miraculous powers, another prophets, to another distinguishing between spirits, or discernment of spirits, to another speaking in different tongues, where there's a message in tongues, not just a devotional tongue, and still another interpretation of tongues, and says all this in verse 11 are the work of the one and the same Holy Spirit, and listen to this, and He gives them to each one, each one, as He determines. And friends, church, let me say this to you. You know, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are a Pentecostal church. And these are the gifts God wants to give, not to the pastoral team alone. These are the gifts that God wants to give to you, to you, to you, and to you. If only you would say, God, use me in these gifts. The supernatural is so important. I just read a testimony Monica shared with me uh, with the Sydney fires. This 80s, no, don't believe in God at all. The fire was coming towards him and he prayed, God, Jesus, wherever you are, no, save me, save my house. And all of a sudden, she said, which never happened and should not happen, a wind came from the ocean and blew the fire the other direction. You know, and he says, you make, and this is in the 80s, not, not, not a Christian trying to cook up some stories, you know. Uh, uh, this is in the 80s who don't believe in God, does not believe in God, and he experienced the mighty hands of God. Would that change him? Would that transform his life to believe God? It will. The supernatural. You see, people say we don't lead the supernatural anymore today. Friends, there are all kinds of diseases. Cancer is one big thing that we are dealing with, not in this universe, but even in our church itself. Think of the many cancer patients that have gone since Pastor Sally died. I'm just lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But friends, this is the prophetic. In a prime meeting, we're going to show a film called Breakthrough. In one, sometime this month, we're trying to find a time where we show, uh, or do we got next month? 
Okay, in February, we want to show this film and we want you to come out and then we want to see this film be inspired. I was so inspired to believe God again for the miraculous, you know, and the prophetic. What is the prophetic? There was a ladder that suspended between heaven and earth. All right? Angels of God were descending and ascending on those rungs of a ladder. Someone asked, why were the angels of God ascending and descending upon the rungs of a ladder? You know, Jacob was not, a difficult, not an easy person to live with and work with. He was a schemer, pasangkaki type of a person. And someone says, even the angel cannot tahan Jacob. They came down, they saw him, they go up again. They came down, they saw him, go up again. I don't think so, that's the reason. My understanding is, and I didn't read it anyway, but my understanding is, it is a link between heaven and earth. That ladder, the prophetic, the miraculous, the supernatural is a link between heaven and earth. Friends, believe that. And it's also a link, you know, between the present and the future. He's dead. And all the testimony I shared with you just now, what was it for? It is to tell you you know, it is a link between heaven and earth, a link between the present and the future, a preferred future. Getting from here to there, we need the prophetic. But be very careful about the prophetic because sometimes we can be carried away if we don't discern the voice of God carefully. Because when we bought this piece of land, when we are about to buy this piece of land, when we are looking for a piece of land, I have two persons who were prayerful who came to my office and says, Pastor, you know, I don't believe that, that we are going to look for a piece of land. This is our promised land, the bowling alley. God spoke to me. I said, thank you, sister. Appreciate you coming in. But let me speak to God. Let me God speak to me. Another sister said, this is not the piece of land. The piece of land is opposite Asing's coffee shop. You know where the big piece of land is? I said, how do you know, sister? I drove and I saw the prophetic, I saw a cross above the sky. And God spoke to me, this is the piece of land. I said, thank you, sister. I don't know why it's always sisters. <laughs> thank you, sisters. Now, listen to this. Give yourselves to prayer. Fast and pray. But it's very important to discern the voice of God. You know, to hear from God. Uh, so the prophetic is so important. A link between heaven and earth, a link between present and the future. I don't know where to go in this sermon. Should I leave it for... Okay. I think I only got time to talk about this one more and then I've got two other points I can always leave it. That's the beauty of preaching in your own home church. Would that be good? You want all four points? <laughs> Rajan, my board member saying no, no, no. How are we doing? All good? I think I'll do this one, projection. Projection. Looking ahead, knowing where we have come from, knowing where we are, and wanting to go where God wants to take us. From here to there, it takes many steps. One of those steps is the prophetic. The other step is the word projection. Projection. Looking ahead, looking back, and looking ahead.
all right? Now, we certainly do two things I'm going to leave with you here. One is thanking God for our facilities. We certainly want to thank God for what we have in this campus, a total of four acres. In 1992, we bought this one acre. We didn't have money. It cost us about $500,000, ringgit. We had only about tens of thousands, I don't know how many thousands, less than 100,000. And then someone asked a question, our EGM, the 133 were there. How much does the land cost? We said 500,000. Do we have the money? We said, no, we don't have the money. How are we going to have the money? At that time, we said, very likely a bank loan, a term loan. If the land, how much will it take to, how long will it take to finish the, the paying for the land? We said, well, maybe four to five years, where we are as a church financially. And then somebody asked a question, a smart question, that I was almost caught in between. How much would your building cost? I've got no idea. Maybe a million. But I said, and then I said, no, this the bridge. Let's cross one bridge at a time. The bridge before us is the land. We don't know how much the building. Let's, let's, let's trust God for this. And someone asked, can we get conversion? What if we can't get conversion? And then I quoted C.M. Ward, the evangelist says, the greatest failure in life is the failure to try. So he bought this piece of land. In 1996, we bought, in, sorry, in 1998, we bought a half-acre piece of land where the annex building is, the year we started building this church. We bought a piece of land and we took all of the earth because it was a hill and we filled this up. You know, and just God is just so amazing. So one and a half acres. But I still remember in 1991, in a board meeting, where we had invited two other uh, church members to join the building committee to look for a piece of land, they asked me, one person asked me, how big a piece of land are you looking for, pastor? And I said, three acres. And someone said, three acres? Pastor, do you know how big three acres is? I said, I don't know. I thank God ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's better not to know. He said, just cutting the grass and maintaining the land is already a big chore and a lot of money. I said, oh, really? Yeah. You know, so keep quiet a bit, you know. And then when we found this building, one acre, half acre. Today we have four acres. Four acres. And, and, and we don't even have enough parking. Brother Eddie Chong was visiting from Australia, who used to be part of the church. You know, he came for our, our Christmas service, one service. You know, he said, oh, one thing we noticed, and I don't know which service came for me, double morning service, or, or always Suen or Boaz. Somebody said, you know, it's so much easier to park these days with two services than one service. And it's so true. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We continue, when, as God continues to grow this church, when we go into a third service, we do not know. Maybe a Saturday afternoon, you know, the pastors are all looking at me. <laughs> More work. <coughs> Alright, so it's just that. It's just that. Alright? Now, today, present, we have four acres. I always say, facility facilitates ministries. Facilities facilitate ministries. And so, when we began to build that annex building, again, you know, and I think these people are not bad people. 
or difficult people because these people who come to me are reasonable people, people who are also passionate about God and the church. And someone asked me, why do you still want to build? We weren't, we weren't growing as we were supposed to be growing. Why do you want another building? You know, uh, never easy to just sit down and, and sense God and say, it's ready, we want to build again. And our architect was even, you see, our architect was surprised. Why do you want such a big office? Because he knew at that time, you know, he had eight people. It was Pastor Sally, me, uh, Yok Chan, Frankie, uh, uh, who else? And Kim 2007, huh? Esther. That's about it, right? In the office. That's about eight people or so. And the office can sit about, how many? 30 plus? Just outside alone, I count six, six cluster of six times four, 24, plus the rooms, you know, 30, and plus there's still space there. And today, we are almost full. Almost full. In fact, my architect, what do you want to say? I just don't know. It's just charting the cost, charting the future, future, envisioning the vision of God. See, as long as I know God is in this picture, and, and there were times my board members, uh, the deacons asked me, you know, if only you have said, God told me, we will throw all caution to the wind. But I didn't want to say that because I want people to grow alongside me to sense God for myself. That's what leaders do, friends. And so when you're in leadership, there's such a great responsibility put on you to sense God as a team. And you can only sense God as a team if you sense God as an individual. See, as an individual. So we are just thank God for the prophetic, for the projection, you know, and, and just moving forward. And today you see, you know, I don't know, look at it, the facilities that we have, VBA, you know, so many other functions that takes place over there. And this is amazing. People from KL come, you know, they celebrate, celebrate, or whatever, celebrate. Thank you, Rajan. Celebrate. You know, they say, oh my goodness, how much you build a building for? I said, everything, lock, stock, and barrel without the land of cost of the land, five million ringgit. You know what? Pastor Daniel said, oh my goodness, we paid three million ringgit for a shop lot in Siri Hatamas. Shop lot, that's all. Pastor Lawrence come, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, you know how Pastor Lawrence talk? Oh my goodness. <laughs> we are so privileged and blessed, seriously. So privileged and blessed. I want to read you to one scripture. Taking on new territories. Acts 13, 16 to 19. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. God always endures her conduct. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan, and then he gave their land to his people as their inheritance. Number of things here. One is not every church is called to and has the privilege to build. 
I've been invited to many a few churches to, to share about our building program, to cast vision. And by the end of the day, I always tell them, it doesn't mean that if God does it for one church, he will do it for another. You know, not always. You need to find God and find for yourself God's plan for your church. So not every church is called or has the privilege to build. We have been called. We had the privilege to build. And who knows? You know, God may ask us to build. I do not know that one. We are highly favoured of the Lord. Just highly favoured. I still remember a, a, a brother who attends our church and the mother attends another church. And when we got this piece of land and when we built it, you know, the mother was so surprised because the mother comes from a church that is always praying, always prophetic and, and, and you know, always talking about supernatural and this and that. And so he asked the son, how do you manage to get it? And you know, the son was so wise. He said, we pray, right? you think we don't pray, one? Ah? <laughs> you know, so comical, so comical when you told me the story. You think we don't pray, one? Ah? I think we didn't pray enough. Okay, we don't pray enough. We are the envy amongst many AG churches. I was just talking to Pastor Ronnie Chin uh, over breakfast uh, after a watch night service on New Year's Day, had breakfast with him. And he told me this. He says, Benjamin, he says, Ben, he says, you and Agape, among AG pastors, your church is an envy. You know, uh, your people are just giving people. Your people are so easy to pastor. Your church is so united. You have so many leaders, next rung of leadership, which a lot of churches don't have. Their pastors are just old hacks like me. You know, but they don't have the second rung of leadership. Are you following me? They don't have. And we have. We are highly favored of God. Now, in October 2017, next slide, I think. In October 2017, we had this group from Cam Philippines that came for our GLS, a group of young people whom we wanted to bless, have them minister, have them sing a bit in our GLS, and speak into their lives and give them a break, you know. And these were emerging young leaders who were students and just starting work, etc. And Pastor Wayne Downey brought them here. They stayed at our ARB bungalow. And we shared vision with them, talked to them. They said, wow, they are so blessed to see what we have here. It's just amazing, you know. Uh, and then when they left, they gave me an envelope. They gave me an envelope. And I have it here with me. And usually I don't want even to receive money. I, I don't receive money. People say, this is my tithe they give to me. I say, put it in the, the accounting money, go and give it there or give it to somebody else, give it to the treasurer. I don't count money. I don't see envelopes. I don't know who tithes and I don't know who pay how much. I don't know all of that. Okay? I don't look in the tithe. I, so that I preach, I'm free just to preach. But this I kept from 2017 because when they gave it to me, you know, they said it is a seed faith for your church, you know, to expand. And at that point when I took it, I just sensed that, no, we, we need to expand. And so I kept this money in my computer bag all these years. 
And I thank God, I actually left my, my computer back here and there every now and then. I thank God I never really lost it. You know, 80 ringgit. Now, 80 ringgit is not a lot of money. 80 ringgit, you go, four of you go into a coffee house and have coffee gone already. Not a lot of money, but 80 ringgit was a lot of money for those guys from the Philippines. I remember Irvin Chi, first treasurer of Agape, he put, uh, the first thing I, one of the first things I, I, I came to Agape was to read the old minutes, to know where the church has come from, where they are. Read almost every single uh, board meet, meeting minutes. And Irvin Chi, you know, our first treasurer, put a seed fade, you know, and says, you know, here it is a seed fade, an offering for church building. I think $200 or something like that. Those days, $200, what can, a lot of money, but what can you do? It, this, this costs us millions. You know, but someone believed God. And this is it. And so projection. We got land behind us. We bought the ARB bungalow thinking there were two other bungalows next to us. So this middle bungalow we buy, we secure it. So we buy the left and right later on. The same year we bought, the same year other people bought too, so that's gone. You know, usually I'm quite careful sharing this, but I'm so assured in my heart that we are going to buy this property at a reasonable price. We're not going to be, you know, to be, to be con or, or to be disadvantaged by people taking advantage of us knowing that church wants to buy, so they raise the price. But we're going to buy at market values in a win-win situation for both buyer and seller. There is a bungalow behind us behind ARC, that links out to Green Lane. There's another piece of land just across there that is about two acres. You know, I've been talking to the bungalow next to us for the last six years. You know, they started with three million, came out two million. The last they told me, what about 1.8? I said, 1.8 is still too high for half an acre. You know, so I just left it there. It is. Someone called me and says, you know, there's a a row of townhouses, five of them, with a two-acre piece of land just next to us. You know, $35 a square foot, that's the same price we paid for the ARB bungalow with five townhouses. It's a deal. But yet, we're going to believe God it's a win-win situation. Now, what Monica and I have done is that, first, thank you, church, for the love give you gave us. Um, Monica and I have decided end of last year to give an offering to the church as a seed faith on top of this. Uh, we're not going to tell you how much it is. We want you just to have a rough guess, stir your curiosity that will kill you as it will kill a cat. You know, when you give something that is reasonable, sizable, in line with the decade, decade, decade that we are living in, all right, I uh, want our treasurer, Matthew Lim. I hope you're still here. You know, Matthew Lim, where are you? Uh, Matthew Lim, please run down. Take a taxi or something like that. Come quickly. But don't fall the stairs, okay? Fall down. The, come quickly. We're going to sow a seed faith. Saying, God, we are trusting you. You see, friends, church, I don't know how long I have. Thank you, Brother Rajan, for praying, asking God to confuse my plans for an early exit, <laughs> you know, confound, confound, all right? Uh, but seriously, I'm, we are building for the future. You guys who just came in, 
You don't know, now you know where we have come from, where we are, where we are going. All right? Your children's children is going to thank you, are going to thank you for your, for your step of faith. And so, friends, we are building for the future, not for a name for ourselves. No, no, no. It's for the future. And so, Matthew, will you kindly come and take this as a token from us to our God's church. Thank you. It's wonderful serving with you all. So, church, let's stand together. There's so much time I have. Two other points. One is passion. One is prayer. All right? But just to say this in prayer, we are having our prayer meetings this coming Wednesday, from this Wednesday onwards, we are going to use the annex century. You know, we are going to believe God for the supernatural. What we're going to do is that we're going to suspend the morning watch on Saturday. So there's no more morning watch. Saturday morning watch at 7 p.m., we're going to suspend it. I use the word suspend simply mean we're not going to have it for a season. How long, we do not know. It does not mean we won't have it again. But let me just say to you, sometimes the 7 o'clock morning prayer on the first Saturday of the month, it seems to be like a staff prayer meeting. The only people are there are full-time staff people. And the only reason they are there because they are paid. <laughs> it's so sad, isn't it? Funny, humorous, but sad. Sad. Seriously. And sometimes I get so demoralized coming for first Saturday of the month prayer meeting, so demoralized. For two years, I've been fighting this, and then finally I said, let's close that. Let's close that. Why do you want to beat ourselves up, beat you up, you know, when that's not working? Let's go with our Wednesday night prayer. That's working well for us. We hear testimonies. You know, one of the Wednesday night was like a watch night service. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. God is doing great things. And friends, we can plan, we can project, we can do anything. But friends, unless the Lord builds His house, we labor in vain. We need to pray. And I call this church, I really sincerely call this church back to a life of prayer. Set Wednesday night. You know, be serious about it. And see God work miracles. For Jesus says, this kind will not come out except or will not happen but by fasting and prayer. Pray as a church, pray as an individual, set aside time for fasting, seek God, and see God takes this church to the next level of growth. God is faithful and He will do it.